0: Alright, so um
1: yeah, I got that thing all messed up on me right there, but
2: Do you? I do.
1: I'm gonna fix mine.
2: <clears throat> What's wrong with it? Oh, it
1: doesn't make me look as good as I
2: I am the host of the show. I will be the most handsome man on this podcast. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Hey, just so you guys know, too, he actually told me this before we started recording. He's got this app on there that gives him, like, 20 pounds and makes him more build. Makes me look bigger. <laughs> That's great. That's he was great. actually
0: handsome, right?
2: Before. He, Dude, he really is. Like, of um, all the, like, bald guys that I know, Jimmy Barnett is, like, my standard for bald pretty. <laughs> I'll let Brent know. You, oh, I'm sorry, Coach. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: All right, guys. Um, So let's get this thing started. Hey, guys. Coach Jimmy here with Tech Talk. Today I have Mr. Dale and my man Wade. Guys, today we're going to talk about... um, Everything under the sun, probably <laughs> mental health mostly though, cause Wade is all about that mental health my and, thing, bro. And he's been uh on this journey that I think that a lot of us have started recently. Um I, I think it's something that you kind of go through, but it's big in the world right now, period. It's just like understanding past like the way you make decisions, the decision making. Uh, Based off of your own personal experiences and things like that, and understanding that sometimes that's flawed in ways because of your experiences, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it's a good measuring stick. But just going through it and like paying attention to, like, trying to be conscious of what you're thinking and how you're responding and and what resources you're drawing from to make your decisions, things like that, and understanding like, the quality of life and what you're doing to build your life, I guess. Um, Anyway, that was my summarization. I have no idea how he feels. (laughs) I just wanted to say a bunch of stuff to kind of make myself feel smart today.
2: You know, because I really like a lot of what you're talking about, right? So one of the bases that I have for, like, my uh, my – my background if you will in like mental health research and stuff like that because i'm no professional outside of just like messing up a lot in life right like if i'm nothing else i've been a world-class screw-up and just tried to like learn from everything i think that 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 makes you professional (laughs) experience (laughs) matters dang it that's all that counts screw your degree dr wade what's up
1: (laughs) (laughs) dude that's wade's starting a podcast and we're gonna call him. i'm gonna refer to him as dr wade every time His <laughs> podcast comes out. There's going to be a comment. Hashtag Grandmaster
0: Dr. Wade. <laughs> Dr.
2: Wade.
0: That's dude, it. I like it. But, but listen, guys, I, I, honestly, I had a uh, psychology teacher in college that um, ended up committing suicide. So, uh, dude, professionalism it, didn't help
2: him. See, and this is like the really tricky thing, right? Because uh, to segue off, like, Something kind of similar. This might seem off topic, but trust me, I'm going somewhere. So ego, ego's like a huge thing, right? And I think it's probably, as far as mental health goes, it's one of the most underrated concepts that people will like kind of neglect, right? Because when it comes down to it, a lot of our negative feelings in life can be like rooted back towards ego, right? So like say somebody does something like kind of messed up to you, you know what I'm saying? Like so, somebody like legitimately does you wrong, Okay that's still your fault. It is. And it's not. So we, as people are programmed to believe that like, you know, we, we, we go through our lives. We meet these people. We do stuff for that person. We're good to them with an expectation of them being good back to us. Right. Right. There is no expectation on that person. You, you expecting something from that person for the good you do is nothing but your ego. Because you feel that you deserve something in return for what you've given them, right? But that's a socially accepted construct that we've put into this world, right? Now, with that being said, when you look at it from like an ego-based thing, how do you rectify something like that? Like me and you, like I, I consider you a good friend at this point, right? We've, yeah. we've talked, we've hit some pretty deep topics before, right? right. And, and like, let's say, you know, I, I go and after this podcast, I go to your house and I shoot your dog, Right right it, automatically yeah yeah you're gonna be pissed right but yeah let's let <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's all i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna be mad <laughs> that's
1: it <laughs> there will be no killing of wade <laughs> if he ends up
2: missing it was not me world who's not jimmy barnett <laughs> it was that michelangelo cost, uh, ninja yeah. turtle <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no but um think of it like this, right? So I did you wrong. All right. You can't get, you can't realistically take, I mean, you can probably take the stuff back realistically speaking, but legally speaking, you really can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't take back anything you've already given me. Now, what can you do at that point? Right. You cut my energy off. You cut me out of your life. And that's the hard part that you see, like, especially with relationships, this is a, Everything, most of the things that I have based off of is personal relationships because my journey truly started because of the failure of a personal relationship of mine. You know what I'm saying? So that's where the basis of most of my uh, mental health research has come from is how to deal with people, right? And uh, ego, like I said, it, it really does come back to everything. It all comes back to ego. Which is why, like, I've found the truly happiest people in this world are just happy with themselves, you know. They're not so much happy. I mean, you don't ha- – I've realized that when you're happy with yourself, you're going to be happy with the group of people that you have around you because you've surrounded yourself with your tribe, right? Right. Like, the people that are there to help you, you know that they're there for you. And there is no, like, screwing you th- – there's no screwing you over. You know, I'm not going to screw you over. You're not going to screw me over. Um, Kara's not going to screw either of us over. You know, and we've talked about her. She's a really close friend of both of ours. Yeah. A- a- and it's, it's just, like, a really powerful subject, ego. And I could really rant on it for, like, hours. But,
1: yeah. So um, something that you said that was, like, well, I guess it kind of sparked a thought of mine that I've been toying with in my own personal life. Um, there's a book, um, Extreme Ownership. Yes, Jocko. And Jocko, yeah. And it talks about taking blame and fault for everything that mm-hmm. that is uh, around you. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that guy didn't do what I wanted him to. It's my fault. Exactly. Like, was I clear in what I wanted from him? Was mm-hmm. I clear up front in, like, hey, this is what I'm expecting in return. This, if, I, if I'm not clear and concise in everything, that I like with when, when my relationships, with my friends or whatever, it's like, what are you expecting? If you aren't clear with what you're expecting, it's your fault. Exactly. And then if you are clear in what you're expecting, but you know who you're expecting it from, I should know what this person's character and know what I'm trusting this person to do. And again, if they they fail or they don't come through, it's my fault because I left it to that person. And um, I always hear this, you get what you give to the world, and you get what you give, you get what you give, and if you Mm -hmm. give, you'll you'll receive in return and and things like that. So I got to – it's kind of a question for you because I know how I see it, and I know – how the rest of the world will see what I'm wording, but beings that you are where you are as far as taking ownership and, and things like that. And understanding that our ego is what makes us expect things, expect people to treat us the way that we treat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say I get something for free, but you don't know I get it for free. Mm-hmm. Let's just say I get this uh, road a caster pro you want to start your podcast and I got this and this A to Mini. I got it completely free. Mm -hmm. Now it was given to me. It didn't cost me anything. I haven't I haven't spent anything. I haven't done anything in the world to receive this.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You tell me I'm going to start a podcast and I'll say, Man, I got all the tools you need to start a podcast. Man, I'll give it to you. I'll give it all to you for three hundred dollars. And you're my friend. We're friends, but I charge you three hundred dollars for something that I I got for free. Now, if you went out and you tried to buy this stuff, there's uh, about twelve hundred dollars worth of stuff sitting on the table. Not counting the cameras, just these two things. It's about twelve hundred dollars. I gave it to you for what I say two hundred bucks. Three hundred. Three hundred. Okay, I gave it to you for three hundred. You wish me good blessings in the world, and you think I'm a great friend. Mm -hmm. You feel like I did you a solid and helped you out so much, and I'm such a great friend Mm -hmm. because you got it way cheaper through me Mm -hmm. than uh, you, and you put good energy into the world for me. Is that right?
2: So this is the thing, right? How do you feel about that too? How do I feel about that? Yeah. I would personally be indifferent because I, all right. And so let me make one stipulation first, right? I don't know any of the wiser, right? I don't know that you got all of that for free at all, right? Right, right
1: now. But I'm saying in the story, you don't know. So you're putting positive vibes out. But now I'm telling you like the whole story. Did your, would your opinion of me change?
2: Yes. If I, so if I initially you gave it to me for $200 or $300, whatever. Um, and I didn't know any better. I put the good vibes out. So let's, I want to stop there first, right? Because there's two parts to this. There is, there's There's actually a couple of them. Yeah. The two two biggest parts that I think most people could understand conceptually is this, that would help them. All right. So initially speaking, you give it to me for $300. So yeah, I'm going to put good vibes out there for you in the world. Right. But Other people's vibes, what they give to you um, in energy, right, isn't as important as what you yourself give off to the rest of the world, okay, because if you believe in uh, science, like most people generally do, right? There's this thing called quantum physics, okay? Mm -hmm. And I am no master of quantum physics, but I have done a little research on it myself, and I have come to find that the basis for all things in this world are energy, okay? And what you give in energy is what you are going to receive in energy, all right? So if you break that down, all the way down to this emotional level, right? Yeah, I might be putting off good vibes for you, but that doesn't exactly mean it's going to reach you, right? It could go off somewhere else because you're working on a different frequency than me at that point, okay? If we're talking, will base it off of an energy frequency scale, right? Okay. So let's say like, like I said, I've got good vibes. They go to you, but you did something wrong to me. Realistically speaking, like morally speaking, you know, if me and you are really like good friends and stuff like that, it like, whatever, take it. And this is just my opinion, right? Right. And this is where it sets way off into the next bit of it, right? So this is where your negative energy is going to come back to get you. What you put off is going to come back to get you. Me and you are good friends. It comes out in the wash afterwards that you screwed me over. Not like screwed me over, but, you know, you got it for free, but you charge me, right? You're making profit off of our brotherhood, off of our friendship. What does that say to me personally? Now, again, this is just a personal, right? you know what I'm saying? Me and you, we just, whatever we had, it's done. It's over with. Because you, you showed me the way you operate, and that's not how I operate. So I can't do, like, I, that's not, you're not a part of my tribe anymore.
1: Right. All right. So what do you think so, about that, Dale? Let me
2: get this straight.
0: All right. So the product that you're giving me is worth X amount of dollars. Okay? Way
1: more right. than what way I charged more. you.
0: All right, didn't cost you anything. Not a now, dollar. You didn't say you stole it. No. Okay. okay. So no. Someone else uh, just gave it to me. Someone else gave it to you, and you want to profit off. You are doing me a solid. So there's that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you didn't put the energy in. It It didn't cost you anything. You. you it's not a sacrifice. So it does mean a little bit less. So yeah, I would say that would. If I found out later on, I know it means that. Uh. It didn't cost you as much, so that definitely changes the meaning. I'm still happy that you gave it to me for less. So, uh, let me
1: uh, talk about something here. I don't. I've never talked talked about religion on a mm-hmm. podcast before. Never talked about my religion and whatever. I I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and stuff like that. But that's how religion works. The the thing that I just the 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 thing that I just gave you. Mm-hmm. So. As long as you don't know, you're giving me positive vibes. I'm a good dude. I helped you out. I did you a solid. I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. I hope you get your start for less than half the cost. But as soon as you found out, like, oh, he got it for free, your feelings change and your energy changes towards me. And now what you're giving off is different. So what does that tell you about relationships in general? Period about the world. We're friends. I literally gave you something that I could have sold for five times what I charged, you or three times what I charged you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not good with math, but whatever it was, it's three times, mm-hmm. twelve hundred, Some, yeah, something, it's four level. times.
2: Yeah, yeah, three yeah. times four, yeah, yeah
1: 12. 12. <laughs> so it, I could have, I could have sold it four times more than what I sold it to you for. Mm-hmm. So. But your feelings change because you found out the origin of where I got it from. Mm-hmm. If you don't find out ever, if I never told anyone I got that stuff for free, that good energy is going to be sent and I'm going to receive it forever and for always. And you will always praise me for what I've done. Regardless of how you feel about it, as long as I'm willing to receive the good energy from it, if my ego don't, or my conscience don't get in the way of feeling bad because I charged my friend 300 bucks um, or whatever, like if I felt bad, it's because I got it for free and then gave it to you. If I feel bad, then I'm gonna personally have negative energy towards the thought of it. But if I don't feel bad about it, because I feel like I've done something good for you, you feel like I've done something good for you, I'm gonna reap the rewards even though so it's not necessarily on the up and up does that make sense
2: it yeah. does make sense but hear me out on this one right and see this is where i don't know if we have a difference in opinion on this right because no I, i'm just playing well like, no i know you're playing devil's advocate for this one but this will kind of segue into like a uh like a more personable aspect right just in like where where Something, I don't know if we talked about it already. I know we've talked about it today, but I don't know if we talked about it already. But having well-defined, like, aspects of a relationship is super important in that respect, right? Because, like, say that entire situation happened. We're really good friends, and you knew that, you know, I'd give you anything for free, you know. Like, Like, if I had it, I didn't need it or anything like that, it's yours, you know, take it.
1: Let me interrupt before I forget that. So right before you say that, what if I what if the $300 paid my lot bill? Does that change it now? Is that information is needed? Yes. You see, you see how deep this, this psychology thing goes.
2: Yeah. And no, dude, it, it, it gets like that. Like how me and you were talking, like there's, there's levels to this and it gets deeper and further and further, bro. You, you can literally dig. And that actually said ways into an awesome topic of conversation. Right. So this is actually just like a new thing for me. So, um, a lot of what I've been like thinking about as far as the last year, well, okay. Probably the last eight months. The first eight months of my journey was centric around the last four years of my life, essentially, because it was like the most relevant thing to me. OK, that was where all my pain was coming from. That's where all of my whatever was going, like any negative energy that I personally held on to came from that spectrum of my life okay it was within the last couple months me my sister started talking and my sister she is uh on her own mental health uh path right now where she's trying to become her best self okay and she was the one that got me really started about like my childhood and stuff like that and just how it is my childhood shapes everything so now since we were talking about how deep this can go, like the, the effects of every decision, not like every, okay, yeah, honestly, every, every, yeah, every, every decision, every, yeah, every decision you've ever made has led you to become the person that you are today, to Jimmy sitting there, Wade sitting here, and Dale sitting there, all of the decisions we have made in life have led us to this very spot, right, and think of the impact that that has had on you psychologically like everything that's ever happened to you that shaped all of your opinions and everything you have now?
1: So yeah, that dude, that's just mind blowing because I teach the kids here that every decision, and that's why when you said every, maybe not every, I said every, I just chimed in and said every, every single decision that you make right now is shaping your future. Mm -hmm. And I hear people say, oh man, I wish I wish I would have known this 10 years ago or I wish I'd have known this, but they, they always think back. And I guarantee you that every listener out there can think back to a time that they wish they would have done something a little different. Mm -hmm. Why not now? Yeah, bro. Like if you think back like that and you say, man, I would change this, this day, that day, whatever, whatever that is, right? Maybe you can't change that, but right now you can make a decision right now that'll change your future forever. Like, I could get up tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm going to do 20 pull-ups every single morning before I leave my bedroom on my doorway. Mm -hmm. And then every time I go to the bathroom for the rest of my life, I'm going to do five pull-ups before I walk through the door to do a bathroom, to go to the bathroom, to do a bathroom, whatever, to go to the bathroom. I'm going to do five pull-ups. You know, on average, you, you go to the bathroom six times a day. Right. How many more pull-ups did I do this year than I did the year before by making that life change? How many am I going to do by the time I die?
2: Because, yes.
1: So, like, push-ups, you could do it with push-ups. Whatever it is, like, I'm going to eat healthy breakfast every morning from here on out the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. How much healthier would I be than than I was the past year? Every single decision. And those are those seem huge. But something as small as doing five push-ups a day, uh, what's five times 365? That's how many you did the end of the year.
2: Mm-hmm. How
1: and years? how many more was that this year than that was the year before when you wasn't doing them every day? Straight up. How much more healthier are you going to be if you make that decision now? That's what I teach my kids. It's like. Every decision. If you decide to play with fireworks and close your hand on an M80, you're going to spend the rest of your life without some fingers. Yeah. If you play with an axe, you may spend the rest of your life without some toes or some fingers. If you play with a firearm, you may cause some kind of accident that you can't take back. Why would you eat unhealthy and do these other things right now that you can't take back.
2: Because, listen.
1: And that's how I've been thinking about life,
2: period. Dude, all right. So, I work in construction right now, right? And I, it's been a blessing to me. I'm so grateful for the fact that when I first started doing construction, when I had a family, it was what helped pay all of our bills, right? Essentially, because that was the life situation. I, I was the one that was working in our family. It's the one that you created,
1: Didn't mean to cut you off, but...
2: It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it goes... um, So, I'm super grateful for it, and I'm super blessed to have had the opportunities that I've had through it and whatnot and meet a lot of the people. But this is what kills me about a lot of people that work in construction, as well as, like, what I've found the majority of, like, this country. And I hate to be so blunt, but it's the truth. They're, like, we're very gluttonous, you know? People are very gluttonous. I see people that are, like legitimately obese. Okay, like overweight and they complain about it and they complain about the effects and stuff like that that it has on their body and they start talking about um like like we start talking about diet and stuff like that. And uh they just look at me and they're like, "You know, you're only going to live once, man." And I'm sitting here and I'm like, "Why would you want to live in pain and suffering and know that you're literally, you know, shortening your life." You you know what I'm saying? Like you're you're shortening your time here and you're going to be more uncomfortable. You're not going to be able to do as much. A lot of these guys have families. I know, like, when I'm with my kid, bro, we're playing. We're hanging out. We're having fun. We're moving and grooving. You know what I'm saying? When I'm 50 or 60 years old, I want to be like Dale. You know what I'm saying? I want to be able to get out of the Uh, mat and beat my kid up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Not not, not beat my child. I do do not beat my child. We all (laughs) practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here, and and we all – have the desire to roll with our children. You have
0: to start yeah. them at a young age. Keep beating them up on, when they're young. <laughs> and then they... I mean, I know my son's probably going to listen to this. And they respect you when you're older, up, older right? Then, then they're scared of you for the rest of their life, right?
2: <laughs> just you always do what I'm talking. But,
0: um... Y- y'all were talking about, like, the journey. You know, you go back in time. I have so many things in my life that I, I say, if I could go back in time, I would change that. And I would. But, um... That journey, my journey in life has made me what I am today, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it makes people worse. Yeah. You can let it make you worse, or yeah. you can let it make you better. I am happier today going through stuff, and I, I, I don't tell everybody this nowadays, but um, I went through a period, a long period of my life where I was suicidal, and I wouldn't give that up for anything now. I mean, it's made me appreciate life. I love life now. Um, so, and, you know, talk, going back, talking about the journey, you know, say you get choked out hundred times and a hundred times you try all these things, you try all the wrong things. You eventually learn the right thing and, you know, it makes you better. You know, all the things not to do anymore. And that is, that is very powerful.
1: Thomas Edison said that uh, he, I don't know, like his journals, it said he was happy when uh, he was trying to invent the light bulb and the light bulb blow up. And he's like, yes. And they're like, you failed. Why are you happy? And he's like, now I know a hundred ways not to make a light bulb. And he said, it's only a matter of time before I find the way to make a light bulb. And... That's very powerful to me. I learned that from my third grade teacher, like his, in his journals, I think he I think the number was 700. I think he said, now I know 700 ways not to make a lot, before he figured it out, but that I carried that with me when I, I heard that because I'm like, Oh, cool. So failure is part of the formula for success. Amen. Failure is part of the formula. Thanks. So you have to fail in order to succeed. Um, you show me the most successful person in the room, I'll show you a person that failed more times than anybody else was willing to. I'll show you the person that failed the most. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like me with this gym. I talked about construction workers. I hate the mentality of a lot of construction workers. I did construction from the time that I was 11 years old until, what, eight years ago when I opened this school. I I quit a job. I was making $200,000 a year to open a gym and spent three years making less than $30,000 to have this school. But I knew at the time I was, I was told I had lupus. And they told me that without the medicine and all that and without living a certain way that I wouldn't live to see 36. My organs was going to shut down. They were going to deteriorate. It was going to kill me from inside out. And I had started looking at my life and realizing that I hadn't spent a lot of time with my kids. I started realizing that the legacy I was going to leave behind was someone that was hot-headed, that just tried to work and make as much money as he could. But when I left, I, didn't, I wasn't going to leave anything behind. I wasn't going to leave good, solid memories or good, solid uh, whatever, because if I wasn't working, I was tired. If I was working, then I wasn't around. So I was like, is me working on the road trying to make this amount of money and do all this stuff, is this what I want to be remembered by? And The answer was no. So I started my journey right then. I, um, I actually went to work. It was Christmas, and I would found the news out a couple months before, and I was trying to build this and get this started. And I was at work. And it was literally the day before Christmas Eve. And we were at my job. job And my boss was like, "Um, it's been a while now. I don't remember exactly all the small details. But it was something like, I was like, yeah, we're going to finish up today. And then we're going to head out. And then we'll be back after Christmas. We'll come back that Monday. So it's like four-day weekend. And he was like, no, we need to finish this job. And... I said, no, I need to go home. Like, it's Christmas, and I want to mm-hmm. wake up and spend Christmas with my kids. And he was like, uh, you need to be here in the morning. And I said, okay. So I went home. I went to the hotel room, not home. Went to the hotel room. I spent the night. I got up the next morning. I went to the job site. It's Christmas Eve. And uh, I'm sitting there, and he's, like, talking. And it, it really was like a movie. It was just like, and it was like Charlie Brown. And I was sitting there, and I was like, yeah, man, I I think we're just going to finish up. We're going to go home. We're going to clean up everything today, wall it off, like tape it off and stuff. We're going to go home, and we'll be back Monday. And he said, if you leave this job, don't come back. And I said, all right. And I didn't even clean up, put fences up or nothing. And I was like, I guess I'm fired. And I just got in my truck and I drove home. And uh, I had four other dudes with me that day. And they live where I live because they were on the thing. And I was like, well, we got to go with him. We don't have a way home. <laughs> So I took the whole crew.
2: <laughs> and Have fun cleaning up, boss. Yeah, I went home. I just, I just left.
1: And uh, I called him two days later, and he had brought some of the guys that would come down with me back the day after Christmas. And I was like, he was like, we'll talk about it. And I was like, no, I was just wanting to know what to do with the truck. And uh, <laughs> I guess he thought I was coming back. But I decided I was just going to be a full-time gym owner. And I made a conscious decision to spend time with my kids and to see them and look at them and to do whatever. And it changed our relationship in a lot of ways for the better. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I I got now that I would never change. And now my life is built around what I want to do. Like, I get up in the mornings and I don't I don't have – I don't have to answer to you. I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to talk to anybody about anything. If I don't want to do something, I just say no. Um, my I've gotten to a point in my gym where my classes are covered. by Like, if I don't want to come, I can say, hey, Dale, can you cover? Hey, Bam Bam, can you cover? Hey, Troy, can you get class done? As long as somebody's here to teach, and these are my guys. Like, I help them. Uh, get to where they are. Dale is the exception. Dale's under Brent. But he's been with me at this school actively teaching for over five years. And he's one of my guys as far as I'm concerned. He's under Brent, but he's my guy. Like, he, we we train together. We're the same rank. We, we bounce ideas off of each other and stuff. But I don't have to – there's no part of my life that I did not start designing eight years ago seven years ago that I didn't start to design so that I could have the life that I have right now. I designed my life in a way that I'm happy. I I don't, I don't do anything that I don't want to do now. Mm -hmm. And I don't make as much money as I was making, but I make well enough money now that all of my bills are paid and that it's not something that I I'm like, I have to just worry about. Mm -hmm. So you're comfortable. I'm comfortable. and I want more. I want I want this thing to take off. I want the coach Jimmy to take off. I want my online university to take off. But I'm comfortable now. And I I don't think that I'll ever knock on wood. I don't think that I would ever have to put my body through totem concrete from sunup to sundown or like carrying all this heavy stuff, or whatever, or just dealing with the mental abuse of having someone stand over you and tell you what a piece of shit you are because you didn't do what they wanted you to do the way they wanted it done, and um, just crappy leaders. There's a lot of crappy leaders in construction, dude.
2: Yeah, man. So- I'll, first, I wanted to say thank you to both of you for the vulnerability that you guys had. You know, with Dale, Dale talking about his stuff, and you really just opening up a big part of your life, right there, man. Because one thing I really want to say is, like, especially with your story. Um, so back to Jocko, right? And further than that, heck, let's go. Have you ever heard of the book called The Science of Getting Rich before? Nah. Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, homie. That is, without a doubt, one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. And uh, one thing that it talks about, it'll literally give you a step-by-step, like, instruction manual of how to, like more or less become wealthy. And I don't mean wealthy as in like think that you're going to read this book and you're going to get rich, right? It, well, I th- read it. Give me my money. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, homie. I'm going to tell anybody right now. If you're looking for a, a, a scheme to get rich, I know millionaires, and I don't know a single millionaire that has ever said, yeah, man, I just woke up one day with a billion dollars in my bank account. You know what I'm saying? I just – now I just do whatever. No, dude, like there's there's stupid hard work that goes behind most of this, right? And one of the biggest things that that book talks about is um like self accountability, right? And, and I wanted to say this because I w- I'm gonna tattle on you about something, right? I know for a fact that you haven't gotten to the point that you're at right now without having to wake up mornings earlier than you wanted to, w- so you can see your dream come to fruition. You oh, know right, what I'm okay. saying? That like the And that's what I'm saying, you know, a lot of people, they hear, like, stories like this, and me and my friend TJ, uh, TJ, or me and a friend of mine, I can't remember who it was exactly, We, we were talking about this, you know, it's just, you, uh, you don't wake up one day and just have everything that you've ever wanted in life, there, there's a, a very, very long, um, list of decisions kind of like we're all talking about that leads up to all of this, you know? So
1: that was the key, key word that I said in mind to build the life that I wanted. Dude, mm-hmm. when I it was a hard, one of the hardest transition periods in my entire life was quitting that job. Cause I, like I said, I went from making a substantial amount of money. Most people don't make that type of money in four years. <gasps> and, um, I went from making what most people takes four years to make in a year to making less than what most people make trying to do this gym. I was living off Raymond Noodles. And, like, I. there was times during the week where I was working a 40-hour, like, for the first two years, I was working as a a maintenance man for a hotel during the first two years of trying to get this gym established. Mm-hmm. To pay for the gym, I was working 40 hours a week in the mornings doing maintenance, and then coming in and doing almost another 40-hour an afternoon at this school, my maintenance job was paying my other bills, barely, not really. My my ex-wife, like, carried a lot of that burden with her job too. And then uh, also the uh, the the job that I was working paid for a lot of the stuff to be here. And then there was a lot of days, like, I wasn't eating. Like, I just didn't eat because I – for one, I had so much going on that I would forget to eat. Mm-hmm. But then for two, like there wasn't a lot of extra money. So I was taking shortcuts with my health and taking shortcuts with other things to make this what it is. And that was the hard part. And now it's built into something that um, now I'm I'm spending a lot of my days doing these videos, like those Coach Jimmy videos, and trying to figure out how to get my watch time up, figure out how to, how to get people interested in what I want to teach without looking like a complete lunatic. And um, we talked about that today downstairs when we was on the mat. And, dude, when I say that I'm doing the research and I'm spending a lot of time doing those things, that's stuff that I don't enjoy. Reading those books isn't stuff that I don't enjoy, but it's helpful and it puts me where i in a mindset of growth. And as long as I have a growth mindset, then I will grow. I will get what I want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it, none of it's been easy, but so you did title on me in a sense because I made it sound like oh I'm living a life. I am. I could not do any of that stuff and just be comfortable, but I wouldn't be happy being just comfortable because I have a a mindset of growth and I want to. Uh, I I'm I just want to make myself uncomfortable so that I can grow and be more and be more um, helpful to the people that are in my circles. I want everyone around me to get to the level that I'm at. And if they got this shitty mindset and they don't want to get to where I'm at, or they want to look at me and be jealous or envious or like, Oh, well, he's, it's just must be nice. That type of attitude. I don't want you in my circle. I want the people to congratulate me and say, man, that's a damn good job done. And then I want to be the other guy looking at you and going, man, I seen where you come from. Good job. I want to be that guy. When I'm looking at my circle, I I want to reach down and snatch their ass up to where I'm at and then hold them up higher. And then when they get to the next step, I want them to reach their fucking hand down and pick me up. If they're not reaching their hand down to pick me up, fine. I'm glad that they got to where they are. I'm proud of them still. A definition of love to me is being happy for someone else, whether it benefits you or not.
2: Oh yeah! And if
1: if you love somebody because of what they can do for you, that's not real love, and that your your definition of love is flawed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used to look at uh, people in my circle and be happy, uh, even my ex-wife. Um, it was like. I love you because of what you can do for me. But the moment that you're not doing that then, that, then you don't really love me. That's not how I am. When I love somebody, whether I'm there or not, whether it benefits me or whatever, whether I'm there or not, I, want, I genuinely want to see that person succeed and do good, mm-hmm. regardless of me. That's my idea of love. So when I tell my friends I love them, they'll attest to this. I tell my students, if they're they're on my mat, they're part of my family. And I tell like, love you, dude. And I say that to the people that I care about. And I say it a lot. I love you. I love you. Mm -hmm. I want to see these people succeed, whether they're in my gym, whether they're training somewhere else, whatever. I want to see them succeed. My definition of love is to care about that person and want that person to succeed outside of myself. I feel like if any, anything else is, is done or said at that level, other than just wanting them to be happy, truly want them to be happy, but if I want you to be happy but I need you to want need me to be happy, then I don't really love you. I love myself. Right. And uh, I think that that's where I'm, a, I'm different than other people, and it took me a long time to realize that other people aren't me and they are not going to treat, treat me the way that I treat them. I'm not going to get the same thing because I, I realize that a lot of people aren't on that level of love. They don't understand it yet. They, they don't have that mental growth yet. Yeah. They just mental, don't.
0: Mental growth is what you said. I got a question for both of you guys, too, to see your um, perspective on it. Um, and I have my own. And we were talking about mental health and ego and expectations. Mm-hmm. At what point you know is it good to not expect certain things from somebody and from yourself because sometimes you expect too much of um, or you expect a certain outcome, not necessarily too much of, but you expect a certain outcome from somebody else and you get disappointed and you get hurt and all these all these feelings and energy. Gets out of it, or you have the same you know d- expectations for yourself, and you fail yourself. Do you want to go first? Wait, like, the question.
2: I, I'm confused. I was going to
0: say what's. But go the ahead. question is, is like you know, the balance between not you know not over expecting certain things, and also to expect things. I mean, you need to expect certain things, certain behaviors out of people. And out of yourself in order to grow. You no. want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go
2: first. All right, cool. Uh, okay. So um, I really like the question because for me, it's actually a, a really, like, it, it kind of hits on a topic that's like we've talked about it today a little bit, but. Um, We It's so important, man, because you have to be so definite with your boundaries with people. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to make sure that when you're explaining who you are, that's why, like, I I listen so much now. I listen so much to when other people are talking. Like, if someone goes on a tirade, bro, I'm all ears because I want to get every bit of information that I can out of you. But with that being said, the only thing I do... When it comes to expectations is I expect for myself. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I found to be like the thing that has probably helped me out the most. Because once you start having just general expectations for people that you've let in in any way, shape, and form, that's, that's when you need to ask yourself this question. And I keep saying, bringing it back to yourself and me and myself and all that, right? Because it, it, every responsibility falls on you in life. You are the only one that's going to live your life. It's called Wu Wei is what uh, Stoics and Buddhists and all those fine gentlemen uh, have, you know, how it's been explained to me. And that is essentially translated into walking your path, right? Dale's only going to walk Dale's path. Jimmy's only walking Jimmy's path. Wade's only walking Wade's path. And if our lot, if our paths come together, bro, that's awesome. Because that means that there's something that we we're gonna get from each other. Because no matter what you you will receive from people in your life, whether or not you want to receive it or not, that that is where you have that's where perspective comes from you know and that's why i always tell people what i look for in life is perspective you know that's all i look for in life at this point is different points of view and perspective so i can see from where that person's coming from why did this happen you know where did where did i come like what decisions did i make that led us to this point in time so to kind of like wrap everything up and answer your question i really don't try to because inevitably when you're growing, it's going to happen. You're, you're going to make the mistakes whether you, you know it or not because it gets deep because it gets deep and you uh, you dig from yourself hard, man. Because it's a deep subject. Yeah, man. You're, you're constantly pulling deeper and deeper because it's really like like when you start looking at social constructs, bro, and how they affect your personality and just like where you're from. I'm the perfect example of this because I'm from northern Illinois, homie. Like I am from like right on the border of wisconsin illinois illinois and i live in south george you want to talk about a culture shock homie oh my gosh dude i i literally oh. all of my neighbors basically sound like they have ate a banjo to me you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> so so with that being said because it, it, it's all about your faster. yes <laughs> the perspective that's why Define stuff, man, and I only expect for myself. Coach Jimmy, I'm going to throw it to you, homie. All
1: right, so I'm going to simplify this, and this is probably not what you guys expected from me, period. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify and, and make it really, really easy for anybody listening. Uh, if I get around you and you give me energy and I feel good, I keep you around me. If I get around you and my energy is being taken and I feel that drain or that drag, I remove you from my circle, or I start limiting myself to you from the circle. And here's the thing, um, and this, maybe, maybe this is a little wrong, maybe it's a little selfish, but that's okay, because when it comes to your personal mental health, you're allowed to be selfish. Um, if that drain is there, and I genuinely still want to help you, then I help you without any expectations because I know you're a drain. Then it's me trying to be a good person and knowing that maybe there's hope that I can help you turn your life around so that you can start getting to where I am and start making headway. Maybe I'm a little bit ahead of you and it's my job to help you get to where I'm at. I take that on my own. So if I, know, if I already realize that you're a drain on my energy, and I'm still giving you my time, there's no expectations. But if you give me energy, I try to reciprocate that energy and give you my energy back so that now we we have twice the energy. Now we're both feeling good about ourselves, and we're both lifted up. And if I notice that normally you give me energy and today you're down, I try to give you energy to get you back to even, back to where we are. If I'm down and my friend, I go to, around my friend, I want, I want them to give me some of their energy to lift me back up. Because that's what friends do. We share energy. Well, if I'm around you and all you ever do is talk about how this person did you wrong, that person did you wrong, or how life ain't fair, or you're, I can't catch a break, whatever. I don't want you in my life. Because you are not willing to take ownership for where you are you're not willing to recognize that you are in control of what you got going on maybe you got to make some hard decisions maybe it's your significant other you got to get rid of them maybe they don't belong in your life oh. maybe it's maybe it's someone that you've been friends with since you was in kindergarten and you know you love them but they're just, they're just, every time you get around them, you just feel negative and they make you feel bad. Maybe it's that person you just got to say, look, dude, I love you. But until you start changing the way you view things, we can't, we can't hang out a lot. I got a friend right now that I'm thinking of that I love him like a brother, but I can't be around him very long because he starts making me think in a negative way or makes me feel negative And then I start being even harder on myself. I'm a perfectionist. If you guys come and visited my gym. And looked at my podcast setup. And looked at, looked at everything that I do. Look at my jiu-jitsu. Look at how I'm constantly trying to perfect. Like the triangle was perfected 20 years ago. It, it was That's when they added it to the Gracie curriculum. It was like 25 years ago. Or something like that. It was perfected then. But I'm constantly making it better. Like the, my triangle is Fire. And it's because I, I want to make it better. My on pressure, the positioning and how I trap it and stuff is fire. The way that I position my head to take you down is fire. And it's because it's like, oh, well, in theory, this move is supposed to work this way, but it's not working for me. Okay, how do I make it work for me? How do I perfect this move so that it works 95% of the time, 95% of the time? Like, how do I make that? That I've been doing this 20 years, and I, I've been trying to perfect the small ones to make it so effective that I can do it. If I can look at you and say, I'm going to do this to you, and you know what I'm going to do, which makes it harder for me to do it, but I still do it. That's what I want in my life. That's what I expect from my life. That's what I expect from everyone around me. And if they're not working on that and they're not giving me energy to make me more what I expect – then it's time for me to start limiting their access to my life. And it's hateful because some of these people I've been around my whole life. And it seems selfish because some of these people do need me in their life. But at a point, you have to start letting people be responsible for themselves. Amen. And you you have to realize, like, all right, I've given them this knowledge. I've given them these tools. I've said it to them, mm-hmm. and I've given them my energy. When when it's time, it's time. And then it's their decision. If they want to make the effort to stay in your life, then they're going to have to make some effort, and they're going to have to give me the type of energy that I've been given.
0: And I like you know? what you said a long time ago, too. You said, "Uh, you know, God bless, doesn't bless you with things. He blesses you with people. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't completely agree with that in the aspect that oh, I believe – you know, he does bless you with things too, nope. but he really blesses you more with people.
1: I don't, I don't think he blesses you with things at all. I don't think he gives you. So uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I do not think God blesses you with things. Like, I, how do you acquire things?
0: Through work sometimes, but, you know, uh, you, all right, religious uh, wise, No, he
1: said you, through if work. If, if okay, what type Bible? of work? Wait, what type of work? Um, what do you need? What do you need to work? Generally, you need money. Okay, where do you get money? From work. Okay. All right, so you work. Who do you work for? People. Always. Mm -hmm. So if you get things through work, but you get work through people, what did God bless you with? The relationships through those people. God don't bless you with things. God blesses you with people. The fellowship of people. The body of Christ is his people. Yes. Yes. That he blesses you, he don't bless you with things. Like all of this stuff on my desk, I would not have without certain people in my life. My gym, I would not have without my members. I'm so grateful for the people that allow me to coach them. That's why this is what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. I wanted to be a coach, and I'm so blessed to have the people in my life that actually want to learn from me. I coach at Perry. And I don't feel the gratitude from a lot of those guys that I do from my own school. And it, that, it drains me a little bit. I love it. I love those guys over there and I love being their coach their coach and the ones that show up, they get what they need from me on my day. The ones that don't that to me, I was like, they're lost because I've been doing this a long time. And, but it, it, that hurts my feelings a little bit when you got people that show up every single day and then they don't come on your day to coach. Boy, that, that's heartbreaking. But the ones that are there, they're getting what they need. And I'm blessed to be able to coach those people too. And being able to coach is what I've always wanted to do. And Steven, trusting me to coach his people was a blessing. So me being a coach and me and having guys that care about what I think and care about their game, trusting me to do that, is a blessing. God don't bless you with things. He blesses you with people.
0: De- I definitely agree with that uh, as far as, like, God bless you with people. Uh, and what you were saying before. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you know, about, like, expectations and stuff like that. You know, with me, um, I allow myself, you know, it, if I have certain expectations for myself and I fail, I'm not going to beat myself up over it, Okay. I don't go around every day beating myself up over it. I want to grow from it. So, but I also expect myself to get up and grow from it uh, and what I expect out of other people. You know, like um, in, in life when you meet new people or you have people at work, I don't necessarily, you know, try to build up, you know, expectations of those people and say, you know, if they do don't do such and such, I'm going to feel bad about that, you know. But like you said, as far as like uh, letting those people in your circle, now that's that's where that comes from. As far as like, uh, there are only certain people that you should let in your little circle. Don't let toxic people in your circle. Yeah, man. You got to cut that out. It's cut those losses. Because- uh, <laughs> try, you know. And sometimes, like uh, I, I hate to, I hate to talk about my daughter like this but and she knows but like, when dropping. she was younger girl get right she caused a lot of grief. It right. was really hard. And I expected so much more of her because she was my daughter, you know? Anybody else I wouldn't have expected that much of necessarily. But she's my daughter and I didn't teach her to act certain ways. And when she disappointed me, it was very a lot of grief. And um and I've dealt with that for a long, long time. She is not that way now, though. Thank God, you know, she has become the woman that she is now. She's night and day from what she was. But, you know, I would not have cut her out of my life, you know, being that she's my daughter. But certain people, if you can cut them out of your life, you cut them out of their life. Um, And I will say, you know, I mean, I know... I've had a good friend that, you know, had been on drugs and and all too, and he's like a brother to me. And um, I had to cut him out of my life for a little while until he straightened up. So,
2: You know, man, you guys have both kind of opened up a little bit to me today, and I really appreciate that and have had some courage. So one thing that I kind of wanted to like – it's relevant to the conversation, which is why I want to bring it up, man. Um, You know, when it comes to like cutting people off, man, it's not just good for you you know what I'm saying like a lot of times when you cut someone out of your life like for good completely it's good for that person's growth too you know what I'm saying and I I wanted to like kind of give like a quick shout out to somebody like legitimately speaking um my ex you know to go from like the place she was at when me and her first split up man to like the place she's at now you know I, I know she doesn't Get a lot of like appreciation or support or anything like that from the world just because of the the place that she finds herself in, man. But just from what I can see, because I, I don't really uh, communicate with her too much outside of our son, but um, dude, from like what I can see her doing and whatnot, it, it's it's impressive and she's become a lot better of a person, you know. And I I I am an enabler, right? That is one of my toxic traits as a person that I have to work through. You know what I'm saying? Is I enable people a lot and uh that's that's really what i let happen and she's really come into her own as a person as like a self-sustaining person and it's something that i'm uh you know i'm super proud of her for for real
1: dude that's awesome so uh everybody has their own toxic traits and sometimes it becomes a multiplier for other people so like two people that maybe aren't toxic you put them together and it becomes toxic Mm -hmm. and um i think that that's just from certain personality types uh multipliers uh they always i was always taught like two negatives don't uh two wrongs don't make a right
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know two negatives don't make a positive facts but if you multiply them bitches <laughs> right y- y'all see where i'm going right yeah man Uh it's a joke but uh Cause if you multiply two negatives, it does yeah, become a positive. positive. Yeah. Yeah. So I <laughs> need <Try laughs> more
0: toxic people. Yeah. <laughs>
2: some, let's no, get no, all no, the toxic, no, no. most toxic people we can think of in a room together and see what happens. And some
1: of them would probably become positive, bro. <laughs> they might.
2: Like, they might. Uh, look, Dude, is I guarantee you what just, I'm like, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, that brings me back to another point that I was thinking of earlier and, uh, kind of cut through the seriousness and stuff. Uh, that was kind of something that that I was thinking about earlier is like, um, oh, and I lost it. God, it was right there on the tip of my tongue. I've thought of it twice now, and then, then I'll, I'll lose it. Oh,
2: dang it. Hey, man, well, until you think of it again, right, I actually have a, a pretty, like, relevant one to all of us, right, so – one of the greatest drives for, like, training, like, physically or anything like that, right, it's, it's like, driven in ego. You know what I'm saying? It really is because it's, like, you want to see yourself become a better person. That is an ego thing, right? You're being selfish at that point. You want to grow. It has nothing to do with anybody else but you, right? So, like, as a jiu-jitsu practitioner or a fighter in general, just anybody, what is the balance, like, where do you find your balance between becoming a better competitor and being a better training partner, as in the ego and the, you know, the giver? Dude,
1: that's a good question because here's the thing. Uh, when I was MMA fighter, I would say you got to be selfish. When I was fighting MMA and being com- competitive or whatever, for MMA, I would say you have to be selfish and you just have to let your partners know up front like, what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I need to work on this today. Sorry, sorry about your luck. But now I'm, I'm the old guy in the room. I'm the I'm the, <laughs>
2: the old guy.
1: Well, I'm not the old. I'm Dale's yeah. the old guy, but
2: I was about to say 51 tomorrow. Guys. Yeah, But
1: I'm the old. I'm the, the old guy in the, the MMA world or whatever you want to call it in our in our room. Uh, and I'll say this: um, <clears throat> I I do not think that you have to have one or the other. Now, now I think you should know how to use each individual for your benefit. So, um, let's say we got a spazzy purple belt in the room. Like this is the guy I'm going to work my uh, guard retention on. This is the guy that I'm going to work, uh, keeping them in front of me. I'm going to stay safe. Mm-hmm. This is the guy I'm going to get defensive with because I don't want to get hurt. Right. I'm not going to give this guy my neck. My job is to keep my neck from that guy because I don't want him to spaz on my neck. But let's say we got a super technical 100-pound woman that's super technical. I'm going to do my best to not use my muscle to get out of stuff. If it's not pure, straight technique or the best technique, because I feel like strength is an asset, and it is a technique um, to an extent. I think it's an asset, and you, you can't tell a small guy not to be fast. You can't tell a strong guy not to be strong. You can't tell a big guy not to be big. Mm-hmm. You know But what you can do is tell them to control it.
2: Right.
1: And I think that, what, and this goes back to what I teach my kids. What is a true martial artist? Someone that is in control of their mind and their body. You are in control of how much weight you put on someone. You are in control of how much strength you use. You are in control of every aspect of your body. If I get frustrated because someone keeps putting me back in their guard, I'm no longer in control of my mind, so I lose. If I get frustrated and drop my weight on someone, I'm no longer in control of my body. I'm not being a true martial artist that control that you display protecting your partners is just as good as winning a training session. Because if you can not, if you can control it, you can also not control it. You can also be really heavy. So if you learn how to control every aspect of when you're putting your weight down, how you're putting your weight down, when you're using your strength, when you're not using your strength, uh, when you're using solid technique versus being explosive, If you can control all of that in a controlled environment, in a training session, you can also not do it. Um, And it goes along with the argument of these other martial arts, like, oh, you can't do any of our techniques. They're in the cage. They're illegal. You can't eye gouge and stuff. It's like, well, don't you think I can eye gouge too? Like, just because the rules tell me that I can't eye gouge... Because. Doesn't mean that I. So if I'm better at all of this other stuff, but you have eye gouging, I'm probably going to be better, more controlled with my eye gouging than you are, or my nut grabbing or whatever it is. Dude, you know what I'm saying?
2: Ridiculous, man. I'm telling yeah, you. But
1: like- so, but that's what I'm saying is, the question. I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think that you can use every person in the training room to make yourself the most dangerous person on the planet. I think the most fundamental thing that people miss as competitors is they forget to have fun. Bro, if you remember to have fun, guard retention. Have fun with it. Uh, 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 attacking arm bars. Have fun with it. Try to find arm bars from funky positions on the people that aren't as good as at defending arm bars. Let's tr- let's try to find a a funky arm bar. Let's let's flip upside down and vert and. Like, roll through their ankles and attack an armbar from, from a, a leg entanglement. Like, let's, let's go inverted when they're passing my guard and attack an armbar from there. Like, let's get funky with our armbars on the people that aren't as good as us or as big as us or as strong as us or, like, whatever. I don't think that they're one or the other. I think that you, you have the highest level competitors in the world. They learn that you got to go to your weakness – like, if I'm weak at being on top, I have to go be on top.
0: Mm-hmm. But I, I have to learn how to do that. And so How would you say it's not fun getting submitted over and over again by the same technique, by the same person? Right. What's your answer to that?
1: My answer is, is learn how they're doing it by going, hey, dude, you keep doing this to me. What are you doing? Oh, I keep putting my knee here. I keep sticking my forehead right here. All you got to do is push the head to the other side. I had a dude pass my guard the same way every time. He done it for like five rounds in a row. Pass my guard. Now, I will say, ego, I submitted him every time that he passed. But he still passed my freaking guard and it was annoying. So at the end of the round, this dude's a blue belt. I'm on brown belt. On 10th Planet Brown Belt and an, an American Top Team Brown Belt. I have a Brown Belt and a gi and
0: no gi, right? Because I'm a gangster. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. But
1: uh, there's no ego in that. I say it's yeah.
0: really fun because he's given you two opportunities. He's giving you an opportunity to learn how to do exactly what he's doing to you, to other people, and he's learning. You're, you're learning how to get out of it. Right. I ask. I
1: agree. But that and that's what it, what I was getting to is like, um, I learned from this blue belt like what he was doing to staple my hip, the way that he was stapling my hip, I learned what he was doing, and then I realized really real quick like, oh okay, so when he shifts in here, all of his weight is here, easy sweep if I'm looking for that staple. So then when he started doing, I started sweeping him, and then guess what? A week went by, and he said, okay, how are you sweeping me? And I told Man, he him. He
0: got stronger, didn't he?
1: And then he got better. And then we started having fun with it because I would laugh at him when he would do it, and I would sweep him. But he would laugh when he'd stop my sweep. It was like a mutual
2: Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, I, was I was fun, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Jitsu guys.
1: I say that, that you, if you are having a negative feeling about something, uh, change it. And that's through communication having a talk and saying hey dude what are you doing or hey dude it's not fun rolling with you because you're spazzing on me and hurting my neck sometimes just a simple conversation yes and some people get hurt their feelings get hurt okay your feelings are hurt well my neck's getting hurt like i need to be able to train every day i can't come in here and train with you guys if you're going to hurt me Cause I gotta come in that night and coach class, and, and
0: yeah. I think that's a legitimate re- request too. You know, I, I have to get up and go to work tomorrow. If my shoulder's Damn. already hurting me, you know, I'm gonna tell you, take it easy on it. You know, if you keep jerking it and stuff, you know. And on the same hand, you know, um, I'm gonna tap quick. I have no ego with that. Yeah, dude,
1: and that, that's another thing is like tap early, tap often. Um, even as a competitor, I'm tapping. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna show you how tough I am by letting you crank on my neck,
2: bro. Those guys at NagA tournaments, they're just so tough. You know what I'm saying? Those guys fighting in that absolute division, they're just that. They'll fight through anything and everything. Because I, I kid you not, right? It, it was. Uh, Oh, dude, I can't even remember. It was like a new breed or something like that, man. And there was this blue belt, right, that was in an absolute division. And he was was a pretty new blue belt. It was pretty obvious, right, because this this – dude had a heel hook dug in deep on him because like deep like i could feel it in my knee It was that, <laughs> that bad like, I, i'm just sitting here and, and it's just like cuz it's like looking at him and he's just like not gonna tap right and you know wor- worst case scenario did end up happening there was like a pop or two and it was pretty audible cuz and like that dude like he he learned one of two very valuable lessons like one shouldn't have had the ego to sign up in the absolute division if you didn't and no leg locks or two, bro. You should have tapped. <laughs> tell you, if uh, that you, on the ain't worth. It's
0: money on the line. And it's got to be enough money, mind you. Yeah. Don't give me no five hundred dollars, and I'll break my leg. It's enough to cover surgery. I'm
2: going ham, son. I'm going (laughs) in on it. You can break my neck for all I care. If there's a hundred thousand, no, not a hundred thousand. I'll be honest. There's like a million on the table, cuz, and I'm going up against something, dude. Bring it on. You're gonna have to kill me. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Money. Enough
0: money on the line, or, you know. My life's on the line. You're gonna see yeah. a totally different animal come out of me. Yeah, man. But yeah. other than that, I'm tapping. I got, I got no ego. I, I get up and go to work tomorrow. I'm happy.
1: That is why no one will remember
2: your name, pro <laughs> I'm fine with that. Keep <laughs> it Achilles. <laughs> what happened? My wife Achilles. remembers my name. I think. Achilles v heel hook. Achilles v heel hook. Who wins? Ready, <laughs> go. Hey, uh, I think my ba-dum-bum. wife remembers my
0: name. She's, she's left me now. She's. Back home with her parents. She's in Canada. Yeah. Oh. Are you Canadian, Dale? Oh, is it just My wife's Canadian. Is she?
2: Oh, wow.
1: I had to switch the camera to Wade so y'all could see his face. That was hilarious. <laughs> I was <laughs> going
2: to say, Dale, you're Canadian? Dang, bro. You learned something new. Hey, about dude. Hey. Hey, <laughs> hey
1: there, buddy. His wife is Canadian, though.
2: It's pretty yeah. dope. It's by pretty by cool. affiliation, you're cool, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> by affiliation. <laughs>
0: Hey, I, listen, I got a cool story. I was telling my um, somebody about the other day. I went up there, and we're visiting the in-laws and stuff, and I'm getting a massage by this girl and um, up there. And, of course, my wife knew about it. So.
1: His ego is the reason he wants to tell this story. Exactly.
0: There's a pretty young it's woman touching ego. him. But anyway, <laughs> we come back home, and uh, later on we get a call from my mother-in-law. It was a small town, so she's over there getting her hair done the massage therapist comes in there, and this was when I was younger and way more muscle, got way more fit than I am now. So, girl's talking to her hairdresser right next to my mother-in-law, who she didn't know about. Um, she's like, how was your week? She's like, wow, massage, this uh, guy from uh, Georgia, you know, he had this sexy southern accent and it's all muscle and stuff. Yeah, so I got to hear about that. <laughs> so.
2: That's, that's awesome. A, that's great. That's fantastic, bud.
0: Yeah, I got to massage this sexy
1: guy from Georgia. And I bet she was just sitting over there like I don't know who that was. I mm, know that
2: was. The only you know, ju- The guy only from- guy from Georgia <laughs> in this small town. <laughs> in this small Canadian town. <laughs> <laughs> Ego boost. <laughs> <laughs> <Ego booth. laughs> <laughs> that that's awesome.
1: It's awesome. All right, so we, we hit on um, the mental health stuff. Um my boy's gonna start his own podcast soon. He's he's got the stuff in order. I'm looking forward to being on that. I'm looking forward to listening to it uh, because there's a lot of good insight, especially at this table right now. There's a, just a growth that I've experienced in the last couple of years as a person is like I, I can't describe how much growth I've had as far as removing people from your circle and, and sticking to it too. It's so hard to cut someone that you truly care about out of your life, but it is a necessity um, remove that person. Start chasing your dreams. Start chasing a better life. As long as you put people in your circle that are lifting you up, man, you—the it, the, it's endless opportunity to have the life that you want. Before we go, though, I asked every single person that I've ever had on the podcast today. I get to ask two people, so I'm gonna ask Wade first. I chose Wade.
0: All right. Oh, I'm scared now. <laughs>
1: Have you ever been in a fight? If yes, if more than one, what's your most memorable fight? Like the one that to you, you can describe in detail as if we were there and like walk us through the whole thing, like the whole story. Cause I want to feel like I'm there. I just want to, and then I want to look your insight on jujitsu afterwards, like, like, What would have been different if you knew jiu-jitsu or what made it different because you knew jiu-jitsu? One of those two.
2: Makes sense. So, fun fact for everybody, right? I've been doing jiu-jitsu for uh, a little over three years now. And um, in that three, a little over three years, I have never been in a fight. That entire time frame, right? Now, before that, now this is where it gets funny, right? <laughs> before that, I fought a lot, okay? And I I, I was, uh, I used to be a, a pretty ego-driven individual, like a real tough guy, you know what I'm saying? I was very strong, as a lot of people in jiu-jitsu would like to put it, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I think my uh, my most memorable fight is, uh, <sighs> it's one from high school, man, honestly, and it's one that really got me like, all right. So when I was a freshman in high school, the movie, uh, never back down and just, came Oh out. yeah. Yeah. man. <laughs> so everybody remembers never back down. Okay. And the little town that I grew up in, well, it's not really a little town or anything like that. Uh, suburbs of Chicago, uh, Fox Lake, Illinois. Right. Well, uh, that's where I went to high school and everything like that. And, and it's a big wrestling town. Okay. And I was on the wrestling team in high school and, uh, People used to go to backyards and stuff like that, video it and whatnot, beat each other up, all this good jazz. Well, my very first time, it was my f- very my first real fight. Okay, was in one of these fights, right? And, uh, <sighs> dude it was a kid from another school so i didn't really know who he was but it was one of like our rival schools antioch right i went to grant this dude went to antioch high school and uh i I had a little bit of a wrestling background like six months of a wrestling background at this point and uh this dude didn't or and i guess didn't well uh how the very first fight ended up going is i shot a blast double on this guy right and i got him to the ground okay and everyone like laughs about like old dick twist and stuff like that is the joke on facebook like when i went and i got into a pinning position what we would now refer to as side control or something like that i started running a half on him right or trying to he grabbed my junk and he squeezed as hard as physically possible okay <laughs> like just straight up death squeeze on my crotch and i was sitting there and like my first reaction was to just start punching him right so i hit him once and he didn't let go and then i got a glance blow that ended up popping him in the nose with an elbow, right? And I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with like the structure of your nose. It's not a bone, bro, right? Like most of what you see is the nose is just cartilage, right? And it's pretty like pretty malleable. So when I hit him with this bow, his nose like popped straight up and all of his cartilage just sat up. Right. So it smashed his nose up and it completely broke it, messed it up, whatever. He looked terrible, blood everywhere and whatnot. I'm sitting here thinking that I just broke, like, I just shot this dude's nose back into his skull and he was dying or something like that. I'm like half crying, like, I'm so sorry, bro. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And it, it, it turned out to just be nothing. He went to the hospital and whatnot and just whatever, chill. So this is way before jujitsu. Since I have got into jujitsu, if I get inside control on you, if you roll with me, I'm probably going for a head and arm choke. I'm just saying it's kind of my thing. I like doing them. Before then, I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, I didn't learn how to fight until I started jujitsu. So if you don't train, and especially if you're in the Eastman area, and you, you're not training, and you're close to Jimmy, you need to train. You need to come talk to him. Tell him Wade sent you. Hey, man.
1: <laughs> hey uh Whoa. dude just uh just a uh it's funny how that works <laughs> when you start training, you never fight facts but then before then. As like, you just fight anybody. Like, you didn't understand
2: how dangerous people in the world are. Right? Yeah. Dude, yeah. never that, again. That, <laughs> like, there's so much stupid stuff that can happen to you in a fight, cuz. And, and I, it never ceases to amaze me, especially, like, on job sites and stuff like that. Dudes are just, bro, let's take it to the parking lot. Cuz, you can come to the gym. I tell people all the time, if they want to fight, you can come to the gym. If you want to fight me, come fight me where, like, there's not a knife, there's not a gun. And if you pull either, I've got eight homeboys that are around you that will beat you to death.
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. Uh, it, actually, a tournament, one of the tournaments I was in when I was taking Taekwondo was the, the big ego breaker for me. Um, I had I was young and fast, and I had these two big guys that I beat back-to-back, back and I, I thought I was going to at least get first place in grand championship, and they had this old guy that came up. And, um I'm looking at this guy. I was like, man, I'm going to make a quick workout of this guy. Didn't look like anything. Like I was like, no way he's going to beat me. The minute they yelled go, all I saw was a blur. Well, he left this big opening, too. And I was like, oh, man, this is easy. Step right in. Ah, two kicks to the head. Where did that come from? I was like, it ain't happening again. Step back. Step back in. I faked a few Blocked a few, he left another good opening, stepped in, bam, bam, hit me again. I was like, that didn't just happen. happening again, cuz. <laughs> that man kicked my ass. But, uh,
1: point sparring.
0: That was point spark so. Yeah. But, uh, I remember those but days. Nevertheless, it was still an ego, <laughs> big ego drain. Because look, looking at this guy, I would have never thought. But
1: I think that that's what runs people off from texting a lot of times is that, that people come in and they look at me and they'll go, oh, I'm about to smash this little dude. I'm about to just like grab him and like fold him into a pretzel or break him or whatever. And then somebody that looks like me just kind of like puts my weight on them and they'll tap the pressure. And it's like, oh, no, I'm never going back. I don't want to feel like that ever again in my whole life.
2: <laughs> yeah, straight up, like do do not like if you're a big dude, and I I tell this to a lot of big guys that come in and stuff like that, like our gym and whatnot. Now, like just because like you're really big and you're really strong doesn't mean you know how to fight, cause because I want you to like I, I, like even if you're a weightlifter, all right. So I'm I'm gonna speak meathead for a minute, right? As a, a a former meathead, I'm gonna speak meathead and kind of articulate it, right? When you went through and you got your beginners gains. Like that first six to eight months, right? When you were really pumping iron and whatnot, and you, you're just getting your beginner's gains going because you feel so much bigger than you've ever been in your entire life. You feel so much different because you're you're forging a different body. You know what I'm saying? Take that and now correlate that same difference in strength and whatnot over to like fighting, right? So let's let's use it like as a base level, right? When you're a no stripe white belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you curl ten pounds. You know what I'm saying? The difference between somebody who's a one stripe white belt and like a three stripe white belt is literally almost night and day when you're looking at them roll. You know what I'm saying? Because they, when you're when you you don't know how to move, you don't know the language. You're literally speaking a completely different language, right? So it's the difference between curling ten pounds and curling. 40 pounds. You know what I'm saying? You look at a dude's arms that can't curl 10 pounds, pretty small. You look at a dude that can like curl like 30 40 pounds, decent size arms. You know what I'm saying? Pending. Oh, yeah. But that's the reference, you know? So don't ever let like size or anything like that dictate like a fight for you because the fact of the matter is is that, like I'm 200 pounds and I've been training for 4 years. Jimmy's what? 150, 100? and um, fifty, hundred. I'm one forty-eight. This he's morning. he's one hundred forty-eight pounds, and he will literally tie me up like a Christmas bow. Okay, <laughs> and, and, and there's
0: levels of this crap, to dude. It. Seriously, levels to it. People don't understand. It's like uh, you know, you watch uh Scott Devine go with some oh, of the God. toughest, <laughs> biggest black belts that are kicking everybody's butts, and he's over there laughing, just acting. He'll let him do whatever. And he still got their number. And, you know, there, there's people like that. And then you're like, and there's somebody can, that taught him that's got him? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, just who else is out there?
1: Yeah, that, I, I noticed like when I started training MMA and stuff, my wanting to fight in the street. Because I, I was a taekwondo guy, I was a keto guy then i was a kickboxer guy then i was a boxer guy that didn't last long <laughs> um i i got disqualified in boxing cuz i throw a, i'd hit with the backhand <laughs> of the glove <laughs> uh i was not a very good boxer kickboxer though i was i was a gangster i was undefeated
0: yeah you knew oh, they that had you that slap him up him yeah he i was <laughs> i
1: was a good kickboxer good at taekwondo point sparring um I got the shit beat out of me my first day in MMA school because I come in there like, I just need to learn how not to be taken down. That was my mindset. I'll beat everybody as long as they don't take me down. And I got a crap beat out of me, a bunch. And um, that was one of my most humbling experiences of my life because I'd been a fighter. Fighter my whole life. Yeah. And uh, then I learned that people could take you down and it wasn't against the rules and they could just bash your head in while they held you. And then I was like, oh, I don't know how to fight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know anything. Great. yeah. <laughs> Square one. Yep. That's I how already, I felt. I
0: already knew when I started training um, like MMA and, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu that, you know, it was apples and oranges compared to striking.
1: Yeah, but you had an understanding of like yep. a, a 40-year-old back then, right?
0: I was just I was just being funny. But you know, I, I had I had seen some judo and stuff like that and some wrestlings. So I knew it was different, you know, and you know, I've seen enough UFC as well. Um,
1: I, I was legit in my mind I was one of the best in the world. In my mind, I was one of the best fighters in the world. Um, that's why I hate Taekwondo so much. I absolutely hate it. That's also why I don't have a disdain for kickboxing because it's a little different. It's full contact. Uh, It's not the point stuff. Uh, Even the kid stuff wasn't point stuff. But I have such a disdain for Taekwondo because they made me believe that I could defend myself. They tricked me into having this false confidence, this false confidence that I was a true fighter. And then the moment a kid that was four years younger than me, I was 17 or 18, this kid was like 13 or 14, blast doubled me and put me on my back and then held me, like submitted me 17 times, back to back to back, like held me down and pretended like he was punching me in the face. It destroyed me. I went home, sat on the end of my bed and cried and cried and cried. I talked about it on this podcast before. Like it destroyed any ounce of confidence or ego or anything I had. And Taekwondo taught me, this is what you do. Like you rock your hands, you turn. If somebody grabs your wrist, you pop away. You go towards the thumb. You throw these hands and I'm like this horse dance and all this other crap. That's not real. And it's not, you can't even argue to me, you can't argue that any of it is legit because they teach you to blade yourself in half. They teach you to throw these kicks. The kicks are very powerful and they work if you can, if somebody agrees that we're going to stay a certain distance and try to punch and kick each other, then it
0: works. Right, works in the right situation.
1: But if there's no agreement and this person is just gonna bum rush me, that shit doesn't work. It doesn't work at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's very like to me, I, I'm I don't get angry when I see people teaching. They just don't know any better.
0: Right.
1: And for me it was very like eye opening. It change, it was a life changing moment for me. It was a, a moment in my life where I had to decide I'm going back the next day to learn this shit. And I think that's the difference between a lot of people and myself is a lot of people would have felt that and said, Oh, I don't ever want to feel like that again. They would have never came back. But me, I'm like, I'm a fighter. I got to learn how to do this. I got to show up. And then I, from that moment on, I had a, I had a mindset. Of, I want to prove myself. I want to prove that I'm a fighter, which is what I've been telling everybody I was. And, um, it changed me anyway. So. I say
0: uh, I think it was Nick, my friend Nick there that we trained with, um, that said something about so much percentage of people in the world have this con- concept that they're a way better fighter than they are. And that's Stupid the thing fans. that like MMA or Brazilian jiu-jitsu really teaches.
1: There was a study done, like a real study, and they took this camera – And set it up in front of like um, 300 people. And they asked them, if somebody come up to you and did this, what would you do? And every person in there overestimated their self by 3,000%. They overestimated their ability by 3,000%. Because after they interviewed those people, they took them and put them in a controlled environment with those stipulations and none of them could do anything they said they were going to do. Not even remotely close to what they said they were going to do. That means that most people believe that they can do things that they are incapable of doing well, when just it comes one. to fighting. Hey,
2: cuz, well, I got a really simple one for most people that'll pretty much, like, give you a real, real good idea of, like, how good you can fight, Right. So, like, just go ahead for me, real quick, okay, real quick, and punch the stud in a wall as hard as you can. You know what I'm saying? Go punch a stud in the wall as hard as you can. And ask yourself, how does this feel? That's pretty close to what it's like punching solid bone when you miss that punch. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and hit a glancing blow right quick. Doesn't feel good. All right,
1: I, I got one even better for, than that. Punch the air. Yeah, Like, just punch the air as hard as you can or as, for minutes. as long as you can. Just for as long as you can until you get tired. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to have your friend start a stopwatch, hit start. And then I want you to punch as fast and as hard as you can. When you start slowing down, so just stop. And I want you to ask them how long it was, I guarantee you 32 seconds
2: (laughs) at most, at most, I
1: guarantee you like you're going to start slowing around 32 seconds. Now, some of you guys can game the system and not go as hard or as fast and get a little bit longer, but um,
2: if you're going full bore, man. like Full bore. Yeah,
1: yeah, like oh. 32 seconds in them. Damn. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Straight up. I, I used to do it. It was like a, to be a part of my comp team mm-hmm. here. I used to make people punch the air. And as hard as they can in the moment, I told them. Uh, they, like, as, the moment I seen the speed of their punches and stuff change, I'd stop it. 32 seconds was the average time. Like that was our comp team trials. Like, can you push through this? All right, punch the air. I w- we do a fifteen minute drill, which is where you do jabs, one twos. Uh, it's thirty seconds of one twos, then thirty seconds of hooks, thirty seconds of knees, thirty seconds of front leg kick, thirty seconds of rear net leg kick, and then you go back to one twos. And we do that fifteen minutes for no break. And every now and then, I would just yell sprawl. And they would sprawl and then they would go back to whatever the drill was for that 30 seconds. And then when they got to where they could do that full 15 minutes, I would throw in speed and I'd make them do it super fast. Then I would go power and I would make them throw it super hard. And that was just like the conditioning for our comp team. But most people that try out 32 seconds was the time until we conditioned them to do better. Thirty two seconds. Isn't that crazy?
2: That's wild, bro. Seriously. Back
0: to that question that you had asked earlier about fights. Uh I've been in a few. Uh mostly wrestling on uh playground growing up, you know, it wasn't real, real fights, but whether they thought I was really fighting them or not, but I was just having fun. <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh but there was there was this one kid that had started trying to bully me. Um I don't remember which which grade it was. But I had uh, you know, been you know, I always liked uh, learning a little judo moves and wrestling and stuff like that, even before then, before I got interested in um, other martial arts. So I, I slapped a rear naked choke on this kid. Fancy. Choked him unconscious. Teachers were over at the corner, and they were, they were watching the other kids. They didn't God. see me. And I'm like, okay, dude. And kick your butt. Get up. He didn't move, he was shaking,
2: convulsing. <laughs> uh, man, yes. and
0: I didn't know. It's the First time I ever did this move to anybody. So I'm like, dude, get up. <laughs> oh crap! I done killed him. Man, I run over there in the bushes. I'm over there crying. I'm like, what am I gonna tell my mom and dad? I <laughs> killed this guy. Um. And uh, oh man, it was hilarious. Man, when I finally saw him get up and start looking around, <laughs> he walked off. Uh, I still remember that this day. That's so
1: funny. I got a friend. Uh, he, he actually passed away a couple of years ago before an accident. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, but his name was William. And we went, we were working together in a, in a trailer plant. We were welding trailers. And my job was to weld the frame. His job was to put the side panels and stuff on. And every day he would do, he would challenge somebody at lunch or break and just fight. He was my size. During lunch, every day he would just challenge somebody and, and like, bet. Like, and they would stipulate rules because he was a really good fighter. They would stipulate rules for him to make it more fair for the other guys. And so, like, he, he wasn't allowed to, like, throw a two or, like, he wasn't allowed to, like, grab hips or he wasn't allowed to clasp his hands. It was always something weird like that. Well, this one day – We uh he's like, I I just want to go to Wendy's and get something to eat. And I was like, Cool, I'll drive. I'll drive to Wendy's. And this is the first time I ever went anywhere with William. And that's that's my buddy's name. Right. And he I was like, Yeah, I'll drive. We go to Wendy's, we go through the the little drive-thru and he was like, Pull over, pull over. And I was like, What is it? He's like, Nah, that dude right there was talking shit. And I was like, What? So like, just pull over. I pull over. He comes up, and there's these like two redneck. The most like imagine the most redneck person that you can think (laughs) of in like a old Chevy truck.
2: (laughs) Talking about my nephew. Yeah, everybody in South Georgia to me, homie. (laughs) Yeah,
1: dude. This dude gets out, and he he just looks like he's chewing tobacco, and he's got a big belt buckle and his boots, and he's like and I don't know exactly what they say because I'm still getting out of the car (laughs) but uh, William hits him with like an overhand right and like drops him to a knee and then catches him in a rear naked choke and he's like choking him the guy's brother jumps out and he's like running over there and William's like dragging this dude backwards away from his brother and he's like choking him Well, the guy goes to sleep. William just drops him. The dude that was running at him, the other brother, William, standing there ready to fight. And he goes, you killed my brother! (laughs) And he's, like, yelling at him. You killed my brother! And William said, oh, I kill him? And he reaches down and grabs him by his pants leg and starts dragging him on the asphalt. He's like, pop the trunk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's oh, telling me. He's telling what? me, he's telling me to pop is, the trunk. Oh, the That's hell.
2: so gangster. Oh,
1: the, oh, dude! Funniest shit ever. Oh, he hell, said, dude. "Oh, I killed him." He knew he didn't kill him, but you killed my brother. He said, "Oh, I killed him," and he just bends over and grabs his leg. I might
2: get you shot in... Bro,
1: that was so funny. Dude,
2: knock on wood, I've never actually, like, put somebody to sleep. Like, training, tournament, <laughs> nothing. Like, fight. I've never. Because, dude, I, I, like, I've watched people go to sleep before, you know? A- and, like, just, like, that feeling I get standing there watching it and, like, looking at the dude that did it. Because you never really know, you know what I'm saying? When someone, like, is dumb enough to actually go out, out. Like... Mm-hmm.
0: Listen, it can it can it, ha- it can happen so quick,
2: get and you not even realize. The one time I
0: got choked out, I didn't even feel um, threatened at all. In fact, I was playing around with it. I was doing, I was l- learning defenses for the uh, cross collar choke. So I was God. going at first, and you know, blocking his hand where he couldn't get the two hands in, and then I'd let him get two hands in, and I was changing that and just going up and up and up.
2: You ever been put to sleep? Yeah, man. Yeah, when, uh, so when I first, so training with Brent wasn't the first time that I ever technically did jujitsu. When I was in the Marine Corps, I did MMA for a while, right? And dabbled with that training, um, under, uh, 021 Brazil in, uh, at a combat club in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, where I was stationed. Nice. And, uh, no, not nice, dude. I was I was an idiot, straight up. Like I, the fights that I did have, man, I uh I won because of like my half-ass boxing and uh, wrestling background. Man, I wasn't any kind of a good fighter. I was basically just fighting less skilled uh people. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. It, I mean, still
1: did it though. It takes a lot of heart to get in there and do
2: it. So. You- it's, it takes a lot. Dude. dude, it is. When you like when you Making that wall, dude, it's scary. Like yeah. it really is like it it'll, it'll test your gangster in some serious ways, bro, because uh
1: best feeling in the world.
2: Oh, dude, when the cage closes behind you, you feel like god, like straight up. Like I if, if I could come with like an equivalent to it, bro, like especially when you've been through a good camp and you've trained and stuff like that and you're you're really confident in what you can do, bro. You like just sit there like me. I just sit I, I actually do it with my kid now, which is really funny. I've gotten it to the point now where if I pound my chest a he'll be trapped in here with me, yeah he, he'll <laughs> he'll start pounding his chest, that's too. so and cool. It, it was it's the cutest thing in the world. And the next time you see him, I'll have to show you it's so will I like sit there and I'm like Aww. and I'm just like, yes, my little goomba, yeah. you know what I'm saying, but uh, no dude, um God like fighting for me though, man, I, I I was dumb. I was really stupid. And like when I would train in the, the room and whatnot, like no one would want to train with me or anything, at least jujitsu, at least because I was an unsafe training partner. I, I really was. I look back on it now and I'm really embarrassed that I acted that way and whatnot. And, uh, dude, it, it, it was, a that's a religious experience right there.
1: Yeah, dude. Uh, so I've been put to sleep twice and both times that I was put to sleep, I was put to sleep uh, by the same move, and the it was a coach. I was being uh, the the uki, or the The whatever uke, whatever the uke, whatever. (laughs) I've never heard it called uki, uke, uh, all kind of stuff. It's a Japanese word, but uki. We we, we change it, we change it in the south. Yeah. But uh, okay. <laughs> Trevor, he was going to be my kids' coach in Douglas, was mm-hmm. demonstrating a pass and, like, shoulder of justice pressure. Yeah. And I was just kind of, like, laying there not framing. And everybody was sitting in class, and he put me out. But <laughs> he did not know he put me out. Oh, dude. So he was teaching the move, and he was like, yeah, shoulder pressure. Da-da-da-da-da. So I go out. I wake up and I'm sitting up, (laughs) have no idea how I was laying back, sitting up. When I set up, he was just looking around, talking to the people behind us. And I went and I kind of looked around. I was confused. And uh, Taylor and Bam Bam, they're the only two that noticed (laughs) that I was out. And I I went, I just set up and I went. Hmm, this is not how I was. <laughs> this is and not it, right. This is not right. And then I kind of looked and I was like, "How did I? How am I sitting up?" Uh, bam, bam said that I come up like the Undertaker. He said I was out, and then I just went boom, and I just set up. My eyes were still closed when I set up. My eyes were still closed, and then I went. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was. I was yeah. gone. The second time, Caleb uh Kalista oh, he come in and he was teaching some of his sneaky jiu stuff from his dvd mm-hmm. off of uh, bjj fanatics right he was oh, teaching there. some how did I miss that he was teaching some of that stuff you were in uh canada oh, with your uh,
0: i came to Calum, one oh, of canada canada was worth was it here. Dale.
1: oh well was, he's only been here once
0: i'm pretty sure I can't. so
1: you was here uh we were in the corner over here and he was trying to show gavin and his buddy like how to get the, the pressure. And he said, can I borrow you? I wasn't even dressed out. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I laid down, same exact move, same exact pressure. He just sat in and then he was sitting there talking to him. And this time I'm dreaming. Like the first time I don't remember anything. I just remember like being laying down and this, this time I'm going to get pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and bro, I had already purchased a pizza at Subway. What? Yeah. I, I don't, they sell pizza at Subway, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I purchased it, like a whole pizza at Subway and I'm sitting there fixing to buy this pizza. And then I come to and he's fixing to pick my feet up. And I was like, mess with my feet, man. And he was like, yeah, you were out. I'm like, dang, I'm hungry. Like, but uh, Taylor has it recorded, and I was just sitting there. I was like.
2: <laughs>
0: dang, bro.
1: My eyes was like rolling back, but I was dreaming that I was going to get pizza.
0: Dude, I must have forgotten. 20. How did I forget that?
1: 20 years, and I've only been put to sleep twice, and both times I was being to UK. Hey,
2: man. So if we're talking about, like, getting put to sleep, I so, like. My last fight was pretty gnarly, right? Uh, it was the first time that I'd like to say that I fought an actual fighter. You know what I'm saying? Because the dude had some Thai experience under him. He's also a purple belt in jujitsu. Like, this was a very poor matchup for your boy. All right. So anyway, it goes. I go, make the walk, whatever. Like, getting starched put to sleep, bro. This was the hardest I've ever been hit in my entire life. Cause, oh, you got knocked out. Yeah, knocked like, out. knocked out, knocked out. Like, th- th- this was, like, one of those, like, like you watch the dude, and you can hear the audible crack when it snaps his face. Like, this dude hits me, and, like, I go stiff, starch, hit the dirt, and he he... Follows goes on top, you know. I'm not mad at it. I couldn't, you can't be mad at stuff like that. And that's the name of the game. You fight until the ref pulls you off him, right? That's how I've always figured it. And I respect anybody that does it that way. But anyway, it goes. the first one starts with me, and the second one rattled something around in my head, cause because I couldn't see out of my left eye when I came to. It was one of the scariest things that's ever happened in oh my, my entire life, cause, yeah, cause like when I, I, woke, I woke up, bro, and I was like just sitting there. And, like, I could feel, like, weird pressure behind my eye, right? And I was sitting there, and I was just like, what the heck? And I uh, cover my right eye, you know? And I was just sitting there like, nothing. And I was just like, oh, dang it. I'm blind. I'm blind now. This sucks. Like, it's still barely registering with me. I'm so messed up because, well, luckily, like, 20 or 30 minutes you know my vision started to come back to me and uh i've had terrible vision my entire life so if it got any worse i don't know anything about it you know what i'm saying so so that 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 was like that was my last fight after that one i was like that's like my godsend right there homie like i don't need to be doing mixed martial arts (laughs) that's not me dude
1: uh so i got hit with a winch and cracked my head uh Cracked my skull, it broke my orbital, and it just turned my nose into powder. I had pieces of bone sticking out of my nose. What? For about five seconds, I thought I was blind. So it hit me. Bang! After it hit me, I said, I can't see. And then my eyesight come back, and I was like, oh, I'm good. And then I just started winching the truck back on the thing. And uh, we got the truck loaded. I took the truck where it was going. And I got home. And everybody was like, no, no, because I had taken a Band-Aid and like stuck it to this nostril, picked my nose up because it was hanging and just stuck it to the other side. What? And like I had it taped there and I was like, no, I'm good. I got home and they was like, no, no, you have pieces of bone sticking out of your face. (laughs) Like you got (laughs) to go get antibiotic shot. You're going to the doctor. It was like four (laughs) hours later. And uh, I got pictures on my Facebook if anybody's interested and seeing those pictures, they're like um they're from earlier, like two thousand fifteen, maybe fourteen mm-hmm. but there there's pictures of my nose like all jacked up, it turned it into powder, and but it didn't knock me out, but for like five seconds, it went bang, one, two, three, four, five, and then I could see again, <sighs> but when it hit me, I think I might have been closing my eyes going, i can't see, i'm not sure <laughs> but." For I remember going, "I can't see," and then I went, "Oh, I'm good, yeah we're f- I'm fine and then i I finished loading the truck, but the lock on the crank the to crank we was pulling up a a, a forerunner onto a trailer with one of those old school winches
2: Gosh.
1: and the lock broke, and it's just a metal bar with a washer on the end of it. that washer hit me. That round washer hit me in my eye, like, right here, and then it hit me in my nose and my cheek because it hit me twice before I could get away from it.
2: God, dude.
1: But it messed me up bad.
2: I hate stuff like that. Anyway, guys,
1: we've been on almost two hours.
2: Yeah, because— It's been a long,
1: long podcast.
2: (laughs) It's been a good one, bro. I'm not going to lie. I, uh— been really enjoyed it i you know i feel like this is our sedway and i wanted to say this uh thanks jimmy for you know showing me everything that you showed me today man dale you too i appreciate you guys for real um my quick said about my podcast right it's going to be called the fangs out podcast um it's a said yes. for me i i always say fangs out is like a reminder to myself to smile you know what i'm saying it has a lot of different meaning behind it but the most important one to me is always smile fangs out Oh, and, not like Eagle Fang Kar- Karate. No, We're no not, not Eagle Fang Karate. We're not Cobra Kai uh, haters in this building, okay? I am hashtag Team Cobra Kai, if anybody was hiring. Hashtag Team Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another thing I wanted to say is just like my said way that I say, if I help out a lot of people out with their mental health, man, they reach out to me. One thing I always say to people is live life and learn your lessons. Be dope and earn your blessings so all right oh d- that.
0: that's that's dope
2: dude yeah.
1: that's, that's really good you got anything you want to end up with mr dale
0: oh no <laughs> just uh don't let your ego get in the way thanks don't
1: let your ego get in the way boom guys that's a uh, tech talk thank y'all so much for listening um i i enjoy doing this this is my way of kind of letting you guys into my own personal life and let you guys kind of see what we do here at Tech and how much of a family we are. This is also my way of uh, kind of giving back and letting people know like my own personal journey, so that you guys can kind of see like where I come from and if I can be successful and do something that I love. I know that each and every one of you guys can. Uh, that is my message to the world because I know I come from a I come from a tough place and. If I can make it out and and do the things that I'm doing with the people that I'm doing it with, every one of you guys can too. So, man, this was one of my. This has been one of the funnest podcasts that I've done, just because you're on that personal growth thing, and I've been, I've kind of been on it too. And it's one of those things, man, like where when you start down that path, you don't know where it's going to lead you or how you how complex things are going to get, but you start thinking about everything differently you start taking ownership for stuff that maybe isn't even your fault but once you do that it's so empowering that uh man it, it will change your life and change what you're doing anyway guys that's tech talk with mr dale All right mr wade and coach jimmy man you guys have an amazing week peace i'm gonna be honest with you i started um I, I i was always ps guy i bought an xbox for my favorite game on the planet which was splinter
2: cell yes dude so splinter I, cell back in the day was no the game
1: cuz dude that's my favorite game by far of all time is splinter cell mm-hmm. and me and my brother we could beat the co-op mode in, like, an hour and 30
2: minutes. Dude.
1: And you're talking about, uh, like, a it should take, like, five hours? Yeah, man. We could do it. We could run through it because we knew, like, where to go and what all yes. the stuff was. Yes. We would separate and be so sneaky that we could literally cut our time in half. What? And it was— That's professional-level stuff right, right there, we, bro. I, I absolutely love that game. That's the only reason I've ever owned an Xbox because it's not on PlayStation. And then, um, like, I bought an Xbox One because they announced that they were releasing Splinter Cell.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: When they said they wasn't going to have Splinter Cell for mm-hmm. the Xbox One, I gave the Xbox to Stephen Aiken. <laughs> 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 and Not making that up. A, screw it. I
2: don't turnaround. need it. The only reason I wanted this game was for this reason alone.
1: <laughs> it was. It was. A, I. I had Halo. Mm-hmm. I beat it, and then never played it again. It set. It's set on that shelf behind me because I played it on this TV right here. It's set on that shelf behind me for probably six or seven months. And Steven was moving out of his apartment into the house that he's in now, mm-hmm. and someone stole. His uh, Xbox One out of the house while they were moving. What? Yeah, like, because, you know, you're moving. You got Mm -hmm. boxes everywhere. They stole it. So he, like, posted. He was like, whoever did that, like, my son's, like, you you broke my son's heart. He just got that Just Dance game for Christmas. And they, uh, it was in the Xbox when they stole it. Wow. So, um. I was like, "Hey, I don't have just dance, but I have an Xbox with a Kinect, and you can have it. I and mean, I don't play this crap. It's right. crap. Tell get, tell, him to, get tell him to be a man and get a PlayStation. Get
2: a PlayStation. <laughs> Trade this for the PlayStation yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, but be
1: a man and get a PlayStation. I'm with but you on that one, dude. See, I'm, I'm a PlayStation guy, though.
2: Bro, hands down. I've been PlayStation since I was like, God, dude. My parents got me and my sister a PlayStation when I was like, twisted." At all. dude no seriously like back at, no you know what our game really was though spyro the dragon bro dude Sp- spyro the dragon and crash bandicoot like hands down like dude the og crash bandicoot team, yes man, like listen that that fight against ripper Roo still gives me nightmares because like i all right no i don't know if you played like the recent release <laughs> yeah. of the reignited no, trilogy i haven't dude listen that fight is just as broken in the updated version as it is in like the old version because like I have you have like no aerial control over Crash whenever he's jumping from pad to pad. So wherever you that direct line, you know, just like real life, that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you there's no forgiving, bro. And I'm just like, no, please God stop. And it just pisses me off every time I fight him. There's
1: no redirecting in the air whatsoever.
0: My it, my favorite one back today was we started uh Resident Evil one. <laughs> Um, back when the controller vibrates, you know, and of course, you know, I didn't know that the controller vibrated
2: at the time, you know, scared the hell out of you the first time.
0: Yeah. But went in that door, zombie came out, grabbed hold of me, you know, I could handle that stuff, you know what I mean? I'm not a guy that scares easy. But uh when that controller started jerking, I was like, Whoa, drop that shit. What the hell are you doing?
2: <laughs> Devil <Sorry>. Machine Yeah. <laughs> that and I was awesome. hooked
1: after that, I was just hooked. <laughs> Dude that uh have y'all have either one of you guys played uh, the the VR, for oh PlayStation. my gosh,
2: dude! Listen, so I helped my homie move like two weeks ago, right? And his kids have that little VR headset and whatnot, man. Dude, that was one of the trippiest things because it cuts everything out, right? Like everything, your peripheral, all of it. Cuts. And if
1: you wear the earbuds that come with it, noise canceling, yeah, all you you're in the game. It's the I haven't played that but
0: ever. I, I did a uh, VR where you walk out onto the plane, you know, of course, and jump off. Can you can jump off, but you're balancing on the plank and stuff like that, and then you're also got one where you can fly around. So I got a story for you guys about the damn VR.
2: Right.
1: There's this game. It's called Super Hot. That's the name of the game. All right. It's a simple, the most simple virtual reality game that you could ever play. It probably took the creators an hour to create this game mm-hmm. because it's just white. And then, like, you know, like, a table. The table is, 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 like, glass blue. So it just literally has, like, the cube lines. So you can tell that there's a, a table there, but it's just outlined in, like, light blue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Big, bright, white room looks like a glass table. The guns are black. The bad guys are red. Mm-hmm. They're glass, but they're red. So... The goal is is for you to catch the gun or pick the gun up shoot the bad guys, stay behind cover, shoot the bad guys and break them. Mm. And the faster the speed, the better the score through each one. They shoot at you too or they stab you cuz there's knives and stuff too.
2: That's dope.
1: And you're in it so you're in a virtual room. That's white. Glass tables, right? I spent so long in this game, like trying to get it down to seconds for each stage. Just shooting those guys, like you got to draw, you got to. I would like, you got to reload and stuff, and I would like throw a weapon and hit somebody with it, catch another weapon, tactical reload, reloads. tactical reloads. <laughs> like you get to practice all of that stuff in this game, Bro, right? So dope. I spent so long in the game, and you're like you picking stuff up off the tables, you're hiding behind balconies. Mm-hmm but it's all glass drop my gun on the other side of this barrier so you can't see it but the barrier is just like a balcony barrier Mm -hmm. so in the game i'm trying to reach over you see where this is going right i'm i'm in the living room with nothing around me but i'm trying to reach over this barrier and pick my gun up in my mind i could set my belly on the barrier (laughs) <laughs> to kick my feet up <laughs> to grab the gun. <laughs> I kick my feet up and face plant with that damn oh. big ass thing on my head.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And oh my God. nothing stopped, no, oh. no idea, like, to stop myself because it feels like there's this whole room. Cause I've been in there so long. Uh, did you
0: record it? Cause I want to see.
1: You. I was no, going to say, bro, <laughs> <if> there's no <laughs> recording. There's no video recording, <laughs> but it, it was it's like, shame. bam. And my brother just busted out laughing. <laughs> I just come out of there and I was like, all right, I got to take a break. <laughs>
2: I'm out Cause messing. I was like,
1: I'm treating this shit like it's too real, but you spend so much time in there treating everything like it's real. Mm-hmm. And then I like, I'm going to lean on this table. That's not really there. And I just, bang, and I just fell on the floor, and everybody just laughed, dude. It dude. was, I just, like, to this day, like, I have this embarrassing, like, smile. Like, can't believe I did that. I can't believe
2: I just did that, guys. Dang yeah. it.
1: Dang it. And now my brother laughs about it every time we talk about the VR. Cause. But it's hilarious. and But the game is just so simple and stupid, but it's fun course late hours
0: i got something yeah. kind of similar but it's different um went over to a friend's house that had a little vr and um it had the thing it's kind of like i forget the name of it but it's kind of like atari um where you're shooting uh asteroids kind of like that but you're shooting this stuff that out in space and stuff and you got a shield that you can hold up and you know um it's little machines coming out and they're all shooting you and you're trying to block their shots so, he's got furniture around the room.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: But in the game, I don't see this furniture. And as I'm stepping up, right. then it kind of shows you. And it's like, what the hell? You know, it's like, I could step over here, but no, I can't. It was very frustrating. Of course, I didn't face plant,
2: Can I just uh, make a quick note and appreciate how Dale actually made an Atari joke without knowing he made an Atari joke about himself? <laughs> 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 <Right>. <laughs> I'll
0: be 51 tomorrow, by the way will you
2: really bro one happy early birthday Two. i should have kept quiet but i know i'm gonna get you really to do do on look great already. for your a- outside of the gray hair and whatnot cuz mm-hmm. like straight up you look fantastic for your for sure. age and for he sure.
1: needs to go ahead and join the club man dude he really does oh, just go hashtag no. I'm bald this.
0: Guy. i would make an ugly bald guy bald blue, i don't think so beautiful i, I think
2: you
1: would be like you would look so much more intimidating you know I'd who he would look like just
2: like a little bit um uh what's his name dang it He's movie movie. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Dang it, this is gonna kill Jason me. Jason Statham, not Jason Statham. No, <laughs> that's what everybody used to call me. Jason Statham. Yeah. I could see that though, because you you have like a, a a similar head shape to him, though. You know what I'm saying? You both have like the the it's weird because when i don't know if do you notice other bald guys like the shape of their head like are you are you very like not like critical but you notice like well uh, most people will like look at a bald guy for the first time and they just think that the head is automatically just going to be like rounded perfect round no bro there's like bumps and stuff like that with people and there's like the
1: v's and us there and then like some people have the dips and then some people have, like, these big knots on the back back yeah, here. Yeah,
2: man. See. I got, was
1: I was blessed.
2: Yeah, you got a pretty slick head. See, I was blessed until I get about halfway back the crown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, like, this little point back here, and I just look at it all the time, and I'm just like, damn it. No
1: one can see that, though. Like, the, as much as you, no one pays attention. Your head's almost perfectly round. I think Dale would look, like, very intimidating uh
2: you know what he needs? Shave his head, get a neck tattoo. I'm more. shave his head, yeah. get a neck tattoo, yeah. get thug life tattooed on your neck. I'll give you a thousand dollars tomorrow. Swear to God, um. swear to God. I know the tempted dude that'll tattoo if I, it.
0: If, if my wife would stay married to me, that was very tempted. Dude. So, but uh, anyway, I'm more like a Richard
2: Gear with muscles, Richard you know, and I, without Gere. the money. Do you know who Richard Gear is? Oh, I no.
1: <laughs> dude you got us you got me and him both by like 20 years because look Cause. at wade wade's just like
0: pretty woman Cause.
2: remember the movie pretty woman yeah yeah okay, there you go that guy uh-huh. oh the guy
0: yeah. okay so could you imagine him bald you can't imagine me bald either
1: Oh, I could imagine you bald, not I him, though. I definitely imagine that's a, that's a handsome bald. guy.
2: You'd be one handsome bastard, bald, because... I appreciate it. Bald, blessed, and beautiful. Just remember that. Appreciate the three B's of life.
1: Join the team, <laughs> oh, bro. Bald, blessed, <laughs> nah. and beautiful. I'm going to pass. All right, let's get this thing started, guys.